Hi, campers. Welcome to Museum Camp. I'm Megan. I'm Madison. Welcome to Immature History. Yeah, we're so happy that you're here. We're going to tell you some funny stories from history. We sure are. I think you're first. I think I I am. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So last week, um, I told you all about a cat and this week we're staying on theme of animals <laughs> great um, i was hoping and and here's the thing i was sourcing articles for immature history because i have a bunch bookmarked and i just every day before we record i look through them all and i'm like i hate all of these and so then i have to find a new one <laughs> same <laughs> it's, it's, a tale it's always time. that process yes, it is um and i just all of the ones that were calling to me today involved animals. So I'm just going with it. Okay, great. Um, but this is the Wikipedia article for uh, Wojtek, I think. <laughs> it's Polish. Um, great. Okay. Um, and it just says Wojtek. It's W-O-J-T-E-K. Yeah. Wojtek. Wojtek. That sounds right. Okay, so. Um, if my Polish also, is, if my Polish you know, <laughs> is as good well, as also, <laughs> on Wikipedia, they have the like phonetic stuff, but it's just like, please write that in English characters. Yeah. They, it's like all of these. It's never symbols. helpful. It's not helpful. <laughs> like take a, take a hint from Webster's and do it that way. Yeah, <laughs> please. Um, okay. Oh, bah. Uh, it says Wojtek, Wojtek in English, sometimes spelled Wojtek, V-O-Y-T-E-K. Amazing. We're doing great. As such. <laughs> oh, I, just, I swear. Off I to this. a great it's start. So embarrassing. <laughs> um, <laughs> Wojtek was a Syrian brown bear. Um, bought as a young cub at a railway station in Hamadan, Iran by Polish two corps soldiers who had been evacuated from the Soviet Union. I love the idea of soldiers just like on their way back and they're like, hey, should we buy a bear? Are we buying a bear? Are we doing this? Like, (laughs) this is a plot of like the next Hangover movie. I would watch that. And same. Um, In order to provide for his rations and transportation... (laughs) I love that they called it rations. <laughs> uh, he was inve- eventually, no, he was eventually enlisted officially as a soldier with the rank of private and was subsequently promoted to corporal. Uh, okay. <laughs> and this bear is just like, um, <laughs> the bear was corporal. The bear was. Yeah, the bear, it's so funny that the bear was like enlisted as a soldier. And I get that <laughs> to some extent of like, oh, okay, if we want to get this bear food. But then <laughs> the fact that he was promoted <laughs> to corporal. <laughs> I would also love to see a bear like daintily opening up an MRE, just like trying <laughs> to figure out how to eat it. <laughs> just like wearing camo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like you don't have to, you're already brown. <laughs> you have the right to be there. No one's yeah. going to mess with you. Uh, he, Wojtek, accompanied the bulk of the second corps to Italy, serving with the 22nd artillery supply company. During the battle of Monte Cassino in Italy in 1944, Wojtek helped move crates of ammunition. How? <laughs> 
and became a celebrity with visiting allied generals and statesmen. After the war, mustered out of the Polish army, he was billeted and lived out the rest of his life in, at the Edinburgh Zoo in Scotland. <laughs> Talk about wow. a culture shock. I mean, <laughs> I mean, this bear has PTSD and you're just putting him on display. <laughs> it's very unethical. Uh, it really is. Okay, so now we're going to get into his life. This is such a funny <laughs> article. In the spring of 1942, the newly formed Anders, Anders Army left the Soviet Union for Iran, accompanied by thousands of Polish civilians who had been deported to the Soviet Union following the 1939 Soviet invasion of eastern Poland. At a railroad station in Hamadan, Iran, on April 8, 1942, Polish soldiers encountered a young Iranian boy who had found a bear cub whose mother had been shot by hunters. One of the civilian refugees in their midst, eight-year-old Irina uh, Bokivich, the great niece of general, um, of a general, <laughs> I'm not even going to try to say that, uh, was, was very taken with the cub. Um, she prompted Lieutenant An- Anatole Tarnoveki to buy the young bear, which spent the next three months in a Polish refugee camp established near Tehran, principally oh. under Irina's care. Hey, maybe don't, like, I wouldn't trust an eight-year-old with a dog. Yeah, let's not give an eight-year-old a pet bear Yeah, and then put it in a refugee camp where, around yes. all the other children. Yeah, civilians. Like, they didn't ask <laughs> for this. In August, the bear was donated to the second transport company, which later became the 22nd Artillery Supply Company, and he was named Wojtek by the soldiers. The name Wojtek is the nickname, diminutive form, or hypochorism of uh, Wojciech, which means happy warrior, (laughs) Um, (laughs) which is so cute. (laughs) Also sounds like a yoga pose. An old Slavic name still common in Poland. Um, <laughs> Wojtek initially had problems swallowing and was fed condensed milk from an old vodka bottle. Oh. So on brand. Sounds great. <laughs> I mean, it sounds great. I mean, get me ready. Yeah. he was subsequently given fruit, marmalade, honey, and syrup, and was often rewarded with beer, which became his favorite drink. <laughs> I mean, they have just ruined this creature oh my god um he later also enjoyed smoking parentheses or eating cigarettes stop (laughs) don't give him that as well as drinking coffee in the mornings this this bear has just turned into a soviet civilian yes (laughs) fully so Um, have we checked that it's not just a guy in a bear costume (laughs) we have not as far as i'm aware um he also would sleep with the other soldiers if they were ever cold in the night. That is Aww. risky. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, did no one watch Grizzly Man? It just... Yeah, come on. It's right there. <laughs> uh, he enjoyed wrestling with the soldiers. I bet he did. And was taught to salute when greeted. <laughs> I can't, my brain cannot I process this. <laughs> um, a bear saluting is so cute. <laughs> He became an attraction for soldiers and civilians alike and soon became an unofficial mascot to all the units stationed nearby. With the 22nd Company, he moved to Iraq and then through Syria, Palestine, and Egypt. 
Wojtek copied the other soldiers, drinking beer, smoking, and even marching alongside them on his hind legs because he saw them do so. <laughs> I mean, it's so cute. <laughs> Wojtek had his own caregiver assigned to look after him. The cub grew up while on campaign, and by the time of the Battle of Monte Cassino, he weighed 90 kilograms, which is 200 pounds. Um, okay, so now we're going to get into um, when he got promoted, I guess. I don't know, just this this section header is just a private Voitech, which I assume is something, sure. you know, militaristic. It sounds like it. From Egypt, the Polish II Corps were re- was reassigned to fight alongside the British Eighth Army in the Italian campaign. Regulations for the British transport ship, which was to carry them to Italy, forbade mascot and pet animals. To get around this restriction, Wojtek mm-hmm. was officially drafted into the Polish army as a private and listed among the soldiers of the 22nd Artillery Supply Company, <laughs> which, I mean, this is a, this is a cartoon. I mean, literally. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then from there, he had two assigned caretakers. As an, enlistic, as an enlisted soldier with his own paybook, rank, and serial number, he lived with the other men in tents or in a special <laughs> wooden crate, which was transported <laughs> by truck. <laughs> During the Battle of Monte Cassino, Wojtek helped his unit to convey ammunition by carrying 100-pound crates of 25-pound artillery shells, never dropping any of them. Wow, Wojtek, good job. <laughs> yeah, great job. The bear mimicked the soldiers. When he saw the men lifting crates, he copied them. Wojtek carried boxes that normally required four men, which he would stack onto a truck or other ammunition boxes. I mean, how is this? <laughs> He's like, I got it. I got, I got it. it. You weak ass <laughs> soldiers. This is why I got promoted. Yeah. <laughs> the service at Monte Cassino earned him promotion to the rank of corporal. Oh my god. In recognition of Voitech's popularity, a depiction of a bear carrying an artillery shell was adopted as the official emblem of the 22nd Company. <laughs> so goofy. <laughs> um, all right, post-war. After the end of World War II in 1945, Voitech was transported to Berwickshire, Scotland with the rest of the 22nd Company. They were stationed at Winfield Airfield. That is that's a little a redundant. <laughs> on Sunwick Farm. <laughs> near the village of Hutton, Scottish borders. Wojtek soon became popular among local civilians and the press, and the Polish-Scottish Association made him an honorary member. Oh. I mean, this fucking bear. This bear has accomplished so much more than me. <laughs> Sad, Sad, but he could never do a podcast. That's right. So suck it, Wojtek. Um, following demobilization on November 15th, 1947, Wojtek was given to the Edinburgh Zoo, where he spent the rest of his life, often visited by journalists and former Polish soldiers, some of whom tossed cigarettes for him to eat, as he did during his time in the army. Stop letting this bear eat cigarettes! <laughs> yeah, it is not a good look. Um... <laughs> Media attention contributed to Wojtek's popularity. He was a frequent guest on BBC Television's Blue Peter program for children. Sure. <laughs> uh, Wojtek died in December of 1963 at the age of 21, oh. wearing nearly 1,100 pounds, and he was over 5.9 feet tall. Wow. Um, there's a lot of stuff about his legacy as well. 
So sure. lots and lots of monuments to him, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which is just, he's literally so cute. He's so cute. He's um, our hero. He's our hero. But that is the story of Wojtek the bear. Incredible. <laughs> wow. I love him. <laughs> he's my new favorite. Same. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'm going to tell you about um, pedestrianism. I literally almost picked this one. <laughs> Perfect. That would have been so funny. Yeah. If we both had the same one. Yeah, but that, but I applaud you because then the article was like kind of long and I was like, eh. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Um, we'll see how this goes. I, you know, I was just thinking though about like, it's so funny to me that this was even a thing, but the, the fact that it still is, cause I don't know if you watched the Olympics this year, but like the Olympic walking is so funny. Like look up clips if you can, they just look ridiculous. Wait. Okay. Pedestrianism was a 19th century form of competitive walking, often professional and funded by wagering from which the modern sport of race walking developed. Incredible. It just, it's not challenging. Why are we doing this? Yeah. And here's the thing. I say that, but if someone asked me to walk any faster than my natural stride is for more than like a mile, I would be so mad. I'd be pissed. Yeah, I'd be pissed. So, you know. During the late 18th and 19th centuries, pedestrianism, like running or horse racing, was a popular spectator sport in the British Isles. Also, imagine like sitting in bleachers and watching people do this. (laughs) You'd get so bored. Oh my God. (laughs) Pedestrianism became a fixture at fairs, much like horse racing, developing from wagers. Not that much like horse racing. (laughs) Not at all like horse racing. Oh my gosh. Uh, from wagers on foot races, rambling, and the 17th century footmen wagering. Sources from the late 17th and early 18th century in England describe aristocrats pitting their carriage footmen constrained to walk by the speed of their master's carriages against one another. Yikes. M- major yikes. That's a major yikes. <laughs> The first notable uh, exponent of this long distance walking is generally considered to be Foster Powell, um, who in 1773 walked 400 miles from London to York and back, and in 1788 walked 100 miles in 21 hours and 35 minutes. That's really quick, I feel like. It's very quick. Um, by the end of the 18th century, and especially with the growth of the popular press, feats of foot travel over great distances gained attention and were labeled pedestrianism. <laughs> Such a great name for it. Yeah, very, uh, very descriptive. Yeah. <laughs> Interest in the sport and the wagering that accompanied it spread to the United States, Canada, and Australia in the 19th century. By the end of the 19th century, pedestrianism was largely displaced by the rise in modern spectator sports and by controversy involving rules, which limited its appeal as a source of wagering and led to its inclusion in the amateur athletics movement 
and eventually the creation of race walking. So the big rule is the heel to toe rule. <laughs> Cause if there's one thing that walking needs, it's rules. It's rules. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Pedestrianism was first codified in the latter half of the 19th century, evolving into what became race walking while diverging from the long distance cross country fell running other track and field athletics and recreational hiking or hill walking. I mean, just running out of ideas, walking out of ideas. (laughs) (laughs) By the mid 19th century, competitors were often expected to extend their legs straight at least once in their stride and obey what was called the fair heel and toe rule. This rule, the source of modern race walking, was a vague commandment that the toe of one foot could not leave the ground before the heel of the next foot touched the ground. Uh, however, rules were customary and changed with competition. Did they have like race- referees? I can just, <laughs> just like blowing whistles. Yeah. <laughs> Racers were usually allowed to jog in order to fend off cramps, and it was distance, not code, which determined gait for longer races. Newspaper reports suggest that trotting was common in events. <laughs> so it is a bit similar to horse racing. <laughs> it, it is in that regard, yes. Just the worst horses of all time. Yeah. <laughs> they're just, they're just, can you imagine going to the Kentucky Derby and everyone's like so stoked and drinking mindrelaps and then like the there's the horses just just walking, some guys <laughs> like trotting around oh my gosh the longer form of ultra marathon walking featured in the popular press and in the decade after the American Civil War in the United States was a source of fascination Edward Payson Weston, a reporter for the New York Herald, won a $10,000 prize by walking 1,136 miles from Portland, Maine to Chicago in 30 days in 1867. Hmm. Uh, In the United States, a series of women's competitions were staged, special indoor tracks were built in some towns, and intra-community long-distance pedestrianism came into vogue. American uh, Elsa von Blumen competed as a pedestrian in events where she would walk 100 miles. Frank Hart was among the first African-American national sports celebrities for his achievement in the sport, such as setting a new 565-mile record in the six-day race distance. Can you imagine doing a 100-mile walk without podcasts or audio? (laughs) Oh, that would be terrible. Like... You have Ugh. to think. You have to think no. about things. I will never do that. I mean, terrible. Um, okay. Walkers organized the first English amateur walking championship in 1866, which was won by John Chambers and judged by the fair heel and toe rule. This <laughs> this vague code was the basis for the rules codified at the first championships meeting in 1880 of the Amateur Athletics Association in England, the birth of modern track and field. 
with football, cricket, and other sports codified in the 19th century, the transition from professional pedestrianism to amateur codified race walking was a part of a process of regularization occurring in the most modern sport at this time. Uh, and then foot racing was a form of competitive running and walking of the 17th and early 18th centuries. Usually it involved feats of endurance, which would now be classified as ultra marathon. It, it evolved into pedestrianism. Incredible. Oh, you guys, you're just walking from point A to point B. I don't think, yeah. uh, I don't think medals don't, need to be involved or like, I don't think the word ultra needs to be involved. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a little, yeah, a little grandiose. Yeah. You're walking. You're simply walking. Um, campers, thank you for joining us. Wow. I hope you loved it. One. Beautiful I mean, episode. All over the world with that one. Yeah. Love it. You're um, welcome. You're welcome. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>